The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome to it. Hello, it is, uh, it's our time. Alex Lucifero is your guy answering all of your employment law questions. You want to reach Alex any time, by the way, when we're not doing this lovely half hour of radio, you can do so. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. A simple severance question. Maybe you've been uh, told you're going to be laid off. Maybe you have been laid off. Maybe you're having trouble with the boss. Whatever. Learn. Get some answers. You should also be... uh, well aware, there's a website called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It does all things of the employment law umbrella that will educate you. As you meander through your work life, you will also have access to the severance calculator at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But the, uh, the main topic today is going to be top five employment law myths. We will get to that, Alex. But first, you always uh, grace us with your presence and open up a can of worms with the, uh, the case of the day, pal. What do you got cooking? Hey, good evening, John. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Great to be back live on the air talking all things employment law. Really, if it uh, has to do with your job, with your workplace, we cover it all here on this very show. And as you very well said, uh, John, this is a live call-in show. We're here to take your calls, answer any and all questions you might have about your employment situation. So please feel free to call in. Do not be shy. When it comes to employment law, there are no bad questions uh, about your workplace rights. And listen, John, I mean, we speak to people every single day who thank us, uh, you know, and it's quite overwhelming sometimes, the gratitude. They thank us for doing this show, for informing people and informing the public on what their legal rights are when it comes to employment law. And of course, our callers on this show are a huge part of that. No matter how big or how small you think your question or your problem might be, it's always going to be important, an important one, because by calling in and asking your question, not only, of course, are you giving us a chance to help you solve your own workplace problem, but trust me, you're going to be helping lots and lots and lots of other people uh, out there who are in exactly the same situation or a very similar situation as compared to yours. So please, we want to hear from you. This is your chance to speak with an employment lawyer. Do call in. Uh, and to get us all warmed up and ready to go for the show, uh, uh, John, let's talk about the case of a day. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that, that came across uh, my desk. And rather than go into uh, any uh, any individual I spoke with today, what I wanted to do uh, for this evening, John, was talk about a matter that's been in the news for about a week or so now. I think the news broke early last week, so it's been about a week or so. And that is the story, John, of, of the Nordstrom department stores closing across the country. And uh, I had a chance to, to have a couple of interviews on, on this subject, and I thought uh, it's a good example of a situation where uh, employees uh, can have some difficulties with severance, but where there, you know, there may be a lot of, or a bit of a silver lining for a lot of employees out there. So, uh, you know, to summarize the story here, so we're talking about Nordstrom department stores. These are mostly kind of clothing stores and, and whatnot. Uh, and just last week, uh, John, as you know, the news broke uh, that Nordstrom was going into receivership yep. uh, in a situation where really uh, they're effectively bankrupt. Uh, they've been operating at a loss for many, many years. The business is no longer viable, and they're going into, again, what's called rece- receivership or creditor protection. 
Now, unfortunately, John, as a result of that, the stores are going to be closing. There are 2,300, 2,300 employees, John, across the country that are going to be losing their jobs yeah. uh, as a result of this. I mean, that's just devastating for all of these employees. I was speaking to a friend of mine who actually is quite a good customer at Nordstrom, and, and he has a relationship with one of with one of the salespeople there. They, they kind of sell him suits and clothing and what's, uh, whatnot. You know, these aren't just part-time students uh, John making a couple, you know, working a couple of hours a week. There are people's careers that are tied to these stores closing. And again, it's just kind of devastating. And, you know, to make a difficult situation even worse, unfortunately, is that when an employer goes into creditor prote- protection like this, mm-hmm. it's effectively a bankruptcy proceeding. That's right. What that means, uh, John, is that these employees that are being let go, if things continue, you know, unless the company survives somehow, some way, which isn't looking likely, by the way, uh, if this continues, those employees are not going to be getting any severance. Unfortunately, uh, John, when an employer goes bankrupt, an employee becomes a creditor like every other creditor to the employer, to the business. And in a bankruptcy situation or in a again, creditor protection or receivership situation, any one of these phrases are used, in that kind of situation, it is going to be the secured creditors that get priority on any money that they're owed. Secured creditors uh, are going to be the banks, uh, any any lenders uh, that uh, have liens on the company's assets, of course, the government, if there are taxes owing, etc., and so the regular creditors, the small mom and, and and pop suppliers, perhaps, and ultimately the employees, unfortunately, are going to have to get in line with everyone else and probably get cents on the dollar, if anything, when it comes to their severance entitlements. It's a devastating situation, John, without a doubt. Now, the silver lining here, uh, John, is twofold. Number one, there is a chance the company might survive. Uh, there's a chance that it, it might be saved by an investor, or there's a chance that somehow an employer, and we've seen this before, an employer, a business can get through creditor protection and survive. That's a, a I would say, small, but it's a possibility. Yep. The other kind of silver lining uh, here, and this is not necessarily for Nordstrom employees, uh, John, but if you're an employee of, of any other business, any other corporation, any other employer, and your employer has not gone into bankruptcy proceedings. They haven't claimed bankruptcy. They haven't claimed creditor protection. But they're simply deciding to cease operations like Nordstrom is doing in, in Canada. Well, that's that's a different thing, actually, uh, John. If there is no bankruptcy proceeding, if there is no creditor protection, and your business, your employer closes shop, you are still owed severance as an employee, like any other employee uh, that would be owed severance based on their age, position, and years of service. It's really quite simple. So for those employees that are dealing with an employer that is winding down its operations or closing the business or closing shop or closing its particular factory or office, do not assume that you're not owed severance just because the business is closing. Even when a business closes, those employees are still owed severance. It's the bankruptcy that causes the problem. And there's a clear, clear distinction there. We don't see bankruptcies very often. Right. Unfortunately, we saw it in this case with Nordstrom. But in the vast majority of cases, employees are going to be owed severance even when a business closes. And with that, we will uh, take a, a short little break. Again, the uh, the main topic for today is the uh, top five myths we're going to talk about in just a bit. If something comes to mind, you want to join the show in that regard, feel free to do that. Top five employment law myths 
are on the way after we take a short break. Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. We're just getting uh, warmed up. Maybe you're uh, lagging a little bit feeling the change but uh, from here on in it's bright and sunny when we do the show so we're loving that the phone lines are open 416-870-6400 the top five myths uh when it comes to employment law and i know alex you could have done top 505 but we narrowed it down number five depending on how you want to count them down if it matters uh your employer can only let you go if they have a good reason to do so uh-uh, wrong yeah, that's absolutely right, John. And, and probably top of my list if I had to if I had to create my own personal top mm-hmm. five. Uh, you know, I, of course, as employment lawyers, we speak to people every single day, uh, John. Uh, people that have been let go from their jobs, and you know, obviously, it's an extremely distressing situation. Uh, they, you know, these are employees that have been with an employer sometimes for very long periods of time. They've just been sat down, really out of nowhere, with no warning, no notice whatsoever, and they're being told that today's your last day. You're done. However long your career might have been with the company, you are no longer an employee. Here's a termination letter. Off you go. And the first question, I mean, almost always, John, the first question that we get asked as employment lawyers when we're put in touch with these individuals is, I didn't do anything wrong. Did my employer have the right to let me go? And, you know, of course, there's a feeling of unfairness there because, you know, so many employees are hardworking, dedicated employees, positive performance reviews, and there's just that deep feeling of unfairness that why are they the ones that let go? Why not someone else? Why not uh, a worse performer within the company? And, you know, the difficult part of having that conversation, John, is that, you know, employment lawyers have to kind of give the, I, I guess, what could be perceived as bad news in that Really, a termination, especially you know, particularly when we're talking about a termination without cause, which is effectively a termination you know without reason, uh, can happen to anyone. You can be the best employee in the business, in the employer. You can still be let go without cause. It's really as simple as that. Your employer doesn't need to cite performance, doesn't really need to cite a good reason, quote unquote, to be letting you go. It could be as simple as a restructuring. It could be as simple, John, as, as harsh as it feels and as harsh as it sounds, it could be as simple as an employer deciding that they can pay someone less than what they are paying you. That is, again, what we call a without-cause termination. You don't need to have a reason to let an employee go. It could be for no reason at all, in fact. Uh, now, those employees, of course, without a doubt, John, are going to be owed severance. They're going to be owed severance, again, based on their age, position, years of service, and we'll get to that in a sec, uh, right? But the reason for termination is oftentimes the wrong thing that people focus on when they've let go. The reason, I would say nine out of 10 times, does not matter when it comes to severance. What ultimately matters uh, is uh, the proper severance calculation and the fact that those employees undoubtedly are going to be owed severance, regardless, really, of what their performance with the company was. Do you have any comments or questions? The top five employment law miss number two. When you are let go, you receive one, eh, maybe two weeks of severance pay for every year's service. That's what everybody tells you anyway, right? Yeah, if if uh, if if you know uh, the reason for letting go, uh, John was you know was my my number one pick for uh, most common employment law myth. This is probably one B. It's probably a one A and one B scenario where 
you know, uh, it, it literally happens every day that, that uh, you know, people that we speak with come to us and say, well, what's the, what's the calculation for severance here? Isn't it two weeks per year of service? That's what I've, I've heard. And that just couldn't be really further from the truth, John. In, in, in every single case, there is no mathematical formula when it comes to severance. It's not one week per year of service. Certainly not two weeks per year of service uh, severance, and so here's kind of the definitive answer to, to shatter this myth, so to speak. Severance is going to be based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. The older you are, the more senior or the more specialized your position is with the company, and the longer you have been with that employer, the more severance you are going to get. Those are the three factors that are taken into consideration. There is no mathematical formula, as I said, John. I can't tell you it's a month per year of service, mm -hmm. uh, even although it's probably a heck of a lot closer to the proper analysis in a lot of cases. It, you know, again, there is no formula per week or per year for figuring out what an employee is owed. But I can say this: uh, almost always, if not always, an employer's initial offer. Uh, when they let an employee go and they offer that employee a severance package, uh, almost always their initial offer to the employer is going to be far less than what that employee is actually owed. And I mean, John, uh, oftentimes we see 50 cents on the dollar, uh, 25 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar. I mean, not just talking about maybe you know the difference of a week or two here, uh, John, in the severance that's being offered and the actual severance that employees are owed. We're seeing difference of six months, eight months, 10 months. I mean, huge, huge discrepancies between what an employer is offered uh, or is offering an employee and what that employee is actually owed. And when you think about it, uh, John, that really shouldn't be surprising to employees or shouldn't, shouldn't be yeah. surprising to a lot of people. And I don't even say this kind of cynically because it's the big bad employer. No, not at all. Listen, from an employer's point of view, this is a business transaction. The employer is looking out for their own best interest. They're, you know, the company's bottom line and the company's financial viability. And of course, in that circumstance, they're going to do what's best for the company. They'll try and be fair to the employee, I'm sure. They'll try and, you know, they're awful, they'll offer, you know, a little bit more than whatever minimum might be owed to the employee. But they're looking for a good deal. They're looking for good value on our, on their end. And the employee, John, should be doing the exact same thing. The employee, once you've been let go from your job, it is no longer about your commitment to the company and doing your best for the company or the business. It's about protecting your own financial self-interests and protecting your own financial security because you're going to need that financial security to hold you over until you find that next job. That should be the employee's uh, uh, focus. The good news, John, and this will be my mat last point on the subject, the good news is that these kinds of severance matters uh, John, whether an employee is offered one or two weeks per year of service when they're let go or whatever the offer is, these matters are very easily resolved. This is not complicated stuff. Uh, a lot of times employers know that they're going to have to negotiate a better package. Uh, and with some pushing and some cajoling, oftentimes in a pretty straightforward fashion, we can get employers to offer up the right amount of money for employees and get employees settled, financially secure, and then moving on to new employment as quickly as possible.
And again, as I mentioned off the top, if you want to reach out to Alex uh, to have more of a private conversation about just that or any other matters, uh, can always be done, right? one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, employment uh, myth number three is you have to work. I don't know where this number comes from, but it comes up, I know, in your practice all the time. You have to work at least five years, Alex, for a large company in order to receive any severance. Break that down. Yeah, that's right. Another misconception, uh, uh, John, and and uh, I, I can speak to where that uh, you know kind of where that misconception comes from. But you know, to make it short and sweet, it, it's just it, it's pure nonsense. Uh, every employee is owed severance, no matter what. You can be a you can be a one month employee, for that matter, John. You're still going to be owed severance if you're if you're let go. And so this rule of having to be with an employer for five years is completely meaningless. Uh, not to get into too much detail, but there it is related to a minimum protection that employees have under the Employment Standards Act. So that's where the misconception comes from. There are some rules around termination and severance pay uh, in the Employment Standards Act, which is a piece of legislation in Ontario, the government's kind of minimum employment standards, minimum employment protections, things like, uh, you know, minimum wage, overtime pay, vacation pay all come from this piece of legislation, the Employment Standards Act. And there are some minimum rules about severance as well, but this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking yeah. about just kind of severance in the ordinary course of things based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. And again, John, you could be a one, two, three, four-year employee. You can be you know, an employee of a few months with an employer. You're still going to be owed severance, and that severance is still going to be significant. Myth number four, we get this almost every show, and that is being a quote-unquote contractor, means, uh, sorry, you don't get any severance, you don't qualify. Yeah, we certainly get it every show, uh, John, and, and we as employment lawyers get it every week. I mean, it's it, it's just incredibly common, you know, at any given time, myself personally, I'm dealing with a couple of these matters uh, on uh, on the go, and actually one that, that just came up last week and that we're already very, very close to uh, to resolving worked for a lady who was with uh, who was in a sales role for an employer for a good nine years uh, John but being paid as a contractor as an independent contractor and get this John being paid even through a corporation she incorporated her own company and was being paid through that company but when I spoke to this lady uh, uh, John she held herself out as a representative of the company she was paid at regular intervals by the company she worked nine to five for the company all of the main factors that we looked at pointed to this employment relationship. And so this lady was an employee, despite the way that she was being paid, despite what they were calling her, they were calling her an independent contractor. You, you know, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, it's a duck, it's an employee. And so we're already, you know, they, you know, in, in this example that I'm giving you, that's a, it's a real life case. They didn't offer this lady any severance whatsoever when they let her go. And we're now very close to getting her a very reasonable severance package based on her age, position and years of service. Don't be fooled. Even if you call yourself a contractor, when you do your taxes, you think you're a contractor, independent contractor, however you want to call yourself. Uh, it's oftentimes the case that you're going to be an employee of the company, and that means you're owed severance like any other employee, again, based on your age, position, and years of service with the company. And finally, let's get to number five for uh, this evening. Anyway, the top five employment law myths. Short service employees get very little severance, which is why sometimes they walk away thinking they, they don't deserve anything because that's what they believe, right? Yeah, and again, it's and it's a reason why it's on, uh, on the list, uh, John. It's a common misconception, common myth uh, that, you know, if you've been with an employer for only a year or only a couple of years, your severance entitlements might be only a couple of weeks. 
And actually, funnily enough, John, it's actually the opposite. Shorter service employees are entitled to disproportionately greater amounts of severance. You can be a one-year employee with an employer, John, and your severance entitlements could be three, four, five, sometimes maybe even six months, John, not weeks. You can be owed four. We regularly will negotiate four and five month severance packages for one or two year employees. It's not uncommon at all, John. And that's because ultimately, you know, the the purpose of severance, the reason why the law around severance developed in the first place is that it's meant to actually hold an employee over until they can find new work. It's why we look at factors like age, position, years of years of service, because generally speaking, the older you are, the longer you've been out of the job market, the more senior or the more specialized you're position is, the longer it's going to take you to find that next job. And so even though you're only a one or a two year employee, or even a a five or six or seven or eight month employee, it might take you several months after you've been let go to find that next job. And again, that is what the severance is for. So even for short term employees, even employees, for example, John, that have signed employment contracts that might have some termination language in them. That's another myth that almost made the top five list. Yeah. Uh, John, we'll save that for another show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, don't assume that what your employer is offering you, even as a short service employee, is fair, is correct. Surprisingly, you're going to be owed more severance than what your employer offers you. And especially as a short service employee, if the offer is not in that three to six month range, it's going to be deficient. Because for a lot of employers, especially nowadays with what's going on in the tech sector, John, what's going on in the economy more generally, I think it's getting more and more difficult to go out there and find a job that it's going to pay you what you were making previously. And again, that's that's what severance is for. Before you sign off on any kind of severance offer, really regardless of the situation, you need to speak with an employment lawyer. It's imperative. As we say over and over again, John, you could be leaving tens and tens of thousands of dollars on the table if you blindly sign off on a severance offer. Don't be that person. Don't be that one that leaves that money on the table. Make sure that you and your family are financially secure. And we'll wrap it up with a quick email here uh, in the last couple of minutes of the show. And that would be Susan says, hey, guys, I've been employed for four years as a supervisor and was just let go. The company says I don't get any severance because it's a construction company. Here we go again. Uh, is that true? Yeah. And, and funnily enough, John, that's we, we could have added that uh-huh. to the uh, to, uh, to the totally. common mis- misconceptions or myths list. Uh, as well, this idea that construction employees don't get severance. And look, if you're a construction employee that's laid off every winter, uh, you know, year in and year out, you won't get severance on that, you know, on, during that layoff period. Obviously, that's not how, how it works. But for any other employee in the ordinary course of a kind of nine to five regular job, particularly in this case, you know, as a, as a supervisor, uh, Susan is undoubtedly going to be owed severance. There's really no question about it. I don't need to hedge my bets on this one, uh, uh, John. Regardless of the fact that she works in construction, regardless of the fact that her employer is considered a quote-unquote construction company, uh, construction employees are owed severance like any other employee. And again, it's going to be based on their age, position, and, uh, and years of service. Susan, if you're listening right now, give us a call. Let's figure out what your pro- what your owed based on those factors and let's get you the severance uh, that you're owed. Again, I imagine it's not going to be complicated to resolve the situation. So feel free to, to reach us. Susan, thanks for wrapping up the show for us. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, with that, we're going to rock on out of here. In the meantime, reaching Alex, you can do so anytime. As I mentioned off the top, it's one 855 
5900 email help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website you can go to even before that called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca we'll have access to the severance calculator the employment law show take care the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment